Well, I wanted to start today by talking about a tale of two bosses. These are two bosses I've had in my life. How many of y'all have had good bosses? How many of y'all have had bad bosses? And if they're in the room, you don't have to raise your hand. That's okay. We'll give you a pass this time. So the first boss I had was very friendly. And we ate a lot of meals together. Anytime I wanted to come into his office, his door was open. And even though we weren't like friends, we were colleagues, I think I realized that later on, he was extremely friendly. Second, he was very flexible. You know, he, he gave me a lot of latitude. He said, you know, I remember having a conversation with him early on, and I, and I was asking for his advice, and he said, that, you, you don't need to keep asking me for advice, Dave. This is your job, you know. Feel free to go out, and, and, and I'll give you the resources you need. He sent me on a business trip. Whatever it takes, I'll, I'll help you learn how to do your job, and he was extremely flexible. He was also very practical. Anytime I came to him with questions, uh, we would have a very open conversation, and, and, it, and he would, his response was typically, if it works, do it. You know? You've got freedom. He was flexible. He was friendly. He was practical. And he was a really, really good boss, and still we're friends to this day. The other boss was three different things. He was very private. He kind of kept to himself. He, did, he didn't really tell. He, he wouldn't share his thoughts. It's like he was holding his cards. He would never show them. He always had a poker face on. So he was very private. He was very moody. You never knew which boss was going to walk in the door that morning. You know, he, some, sometimes he was happy. Sometimes he was frustrated and angry. And you never knew what you were going to do, whether or not it was going to set him off. And then thirdly, he was manipulative. I mean, anytime there was a bonus, anytime there was a, a he would offer a carrot to you and say, okay, this is what I'll do for you, but what are you going to do for me? So he's manipulative. Which one do you think I preferred? Right, the good boss. And which one did I trust? Right, I trusted the good boss. You know, leadership is a fact of life in our society. Many of our decisions we're personally responsible for, and that's, that's appropriate, right? There's things that you are responsible for that I don't want to be responsible for. There's things that I'm responsible for that you don't want to be responsible for. But at a certain scale, a smaller number of people needs to be generally responsible for a larger number of people. I mean, what would happen at work if everything was a democracy? Can you imagine? What, what was one of your workplaces? Or where does somebody work right now? Give me an example. Car dealership. Car dealership. Okay. So, um, we're setting sales targets for the year, because I know you're a sales manager, and we just kind of have an open discussion about that. How would that go? Some people would want to set high, and some people would want to set really low, right? I mean, how would, how would anything get decided if everything was a democracy? So, point leadership is necessary. I heard a funny analogy of why businesses seem a bit unstable at times. It's because there's three distinct personalities operating inside the business. There's the boss, there's the manager, and there's the worker. Now, the boss frustrates the manager and the worker to no end. Why do you think that is? Because well, he because he calls the shots. High he, expectations. Okay, high expectations. But he comes blowing in the door every three or four weeks with a great new idea, doesn't he? The boss. And it, because of his new idea, that means new work for the manager, and it means the technician has to pull up his head out of his work and and, and listen, and that bothers him because he just wants to do the work. Now the manager frustrates the boss and the worker because he interferes with their independence, right? The manager says, hey, you know what, worker, you need to do that a little bit different. It's not fitting in with the bigger picture. And the worker says, leave me alone, I'm busy. And then the boss says, no, 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 don't, don't restrict my freedom. I want, I'm a free spirit. I need to be the visionary. I need to be thinking about the big picture. 
And so the manager frustrates the boss and the worker. The worker frustrates the boss and the manager by insisting that he be left alone. Just leave me alone. I'm busy, right? I'm, I'm the one doing the work down here. Just, just stay out of my way. But point leadership is necessary, and we know that. But to some extent, we're at the mercy of the one or the ones who are appointed. And if the character of the leader is good, the future is bright, right? They say if, if the leader has good character, the future just gets better and better. The longer the ride, the better the ride. But if the leader has bad character, you better start dusting off that resume, right? And then if you're in a bad spot and you're with a bad boss, what do you do? Start calling that network, right? Say, anybody got anything for me? Because with bad character, you're not going to want to follow that leader for very long. So what kind of leader does Jesus claim to be? He claims to be the good shepherd. John 10, 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The Greek word for good is kolos. It means noble, wholesome, good, and beautiful, in contrast to that which is wicked, mean, foul, and unlovely. And in this passage... Jesus is again comparing himself to the religious leaders. He's kind of poking them in the eye again. They're merely hired hands who work for wages. Their concern is not for the sheep, but themselves. And as a result, when the wolf appeared, the most common threat to sheep in that day, the hired hand, what do you think he did, kids? If you're, if you're the shepherd of the sheep, if you own the sheep and a wolf comes, what are you going to do? You're going to fight, right? You're going to pick up that big staff, you know, probably what you feel like mom and dad use on you. But what if you're the hired hand? The sheep don't belong to you. What are you going to do? Run away, right? Run away. Don't worry about it. They're on their own. <laughs> lamb chops, okay. But not, not, not lamb chop, you know, on, on television, so that'd be really bad. So the hired hand would run away, leaving the sheep to be scattered or killed. And you know, this is how King David set himself apart in the Old Testament. He, he went to Saul and he said, Saul, you know, Goliath is opposing us. Let me fight him. And Saul says, who are you? You're just a boy. How, what, 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 what qualifications do you have to fight Goliath? And David said, I've killed a bear and I've killed a lion. So David was showing that he's the kind of shepherd that cares for the sheep. He's the kind of shepherd that's willing to fight for and defend the sheep. You know, sheep, what are sheep like? Are sheep able to defend themselves? No. Able to protect themselves? No. They're helpless. And they're totally dependent on the shepherd. Kind of like my dogs. You know? When I walk in the room, it's like God has entered the room. I think it, it's, the power can be a bit intoxicating at times. But sheep are subject to danger and must always be under the watchful eye of the shepherd as they graze. So Jesus claims to be the good shepherd, and as the good shepherd, he does the following four things. And this is the subject of our message today. Number one, he will provide for my every need. Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, he leads me beside still waters. Yesterday we were at Indian Springs State Park over in, uh, Jack near Jackson Lake, Bruce has some property out there. And um, we're sitting beside this stream, and I watched as the kids were running up and down the rocks, you know. Oh, not injuring themselves, thankfully. They did slip a couple of times, but they had so much fun because it was peaceful. It was quiet. And that's the, what Jesus wants to provide for you and for me. Green pastures, still waters. But the problem is the sheep doesn't know what it needs, right? 
They don't know what they need. If you lay them on their own, the sheep will not only choose paths that don't satisfy, the sheep's going to get themselves into situations where they're in danger. And we're the same way. We think what we think we need is different than what we truly need. And that's, there's a big difference there. So Jesus is going to provide for what we truly need. We think we need wealth, right? I need some of that money. I need some of that moolah so I can take care of my needs. Jesus just wants to give us daily bread, just, just enough to get by today. We think we need excitement. Jesus wants to give us contentment. We think we, we need indulgence. I, I, need, I need enough. I need more than enough. I need to enjoy myself. I need to have it all. I need to go get more. But Jesus knows that what we really need is satisfaction. We think we need novelty. I need something new, something exciting. I need a change. Jesus knows that we need consistency. And then we say, I need notoriety. Let me get on Facebook and, and make a bunch of posts and get a lot of likes. I need people to know my name. But Jesus knows that what we really need is reputation. So we need the good shepherd who will provide for our every need. Not what we think we need, but what we actually need. Number two, the good shepherd will calm my soul. Lamentations 1.16 says, for these things I weep, my eyes run down with water, because far from me is a comforter, one who restores my soul. Now, when do you and I make our worst decisions? When we're kids. Okay, when we're kids. <laughs> okay, and they're not great decisions when we're Yes. When we're angry, upset, or scared. Exactly. Perfect. So what I had written down was we're emotional. When do we make our worst decisions? When we're emotional and when we're anxious. You know, as the shepherd in my home, I instinctively know when it's time to exhibit contagious calm. You know what that means? You ever sense that? Things are getting kind of stirred up. Things are unstable. Everybody's upset. Somebody used somebody's toothbrush that should not have. And there's a problem. And it's time for me to exhibit contagious calm, the kind of calm that spreads through the house. And the way that I typically do that, and it doesn't always work, is I use humor. I make a joke. I talk and I impersonate a, a movie star or, or, a, or a cartoon character. And I try to get my kids to laugh and to smile. Now, if that doesn't work, then I'll go and I'll, I'll do the direct approach. Well, I'll hug them, I'll comfort them, and try to calm things down. But I know that it's my job as the shepherd of my home to inject calm into that situation. But there are times when I don't make the right choice. I choose to be callous and insensitive. I know men that you've never done that before. If you, have, if you feel like you haven't, just ask your wives and they'll tell you that there's been many times that you've been callous and insensitive, you brood. <laughs> but if I do that, then I know that the chaos is going to continue. So as the shepherd, it's my responsibility to calm the situation. So when we are emotional and anxious, it's time to schedule some space. It's time to find that quiet spot. It's time to crack open that Bible. It's time to get out that journal and pour out your heart to the good shepherd. Because he wants to calm your soul. He wants to calm my soul. But oftentimes, I don't want Jesus to calm my soul. I want him to fix my problems. I want him to fix them now. But he is gently whispering to you and to me. He's gently whispering first things let me calm your soul. 
Number three, Jesus leads my unmanageable life. Psalm 23, 1 through 6 says, He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, which are used for correction, they actually comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. So this is not a weak shepherd. This is not a namby-pamby shepherd. This is a strong, courageous shepherd who makes it possible for me to survive and thrive in the presence of my enemies. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, in this life, God has a path for you. He has a path for me. And your path is not my path. And my path is not your path. But the following two things are guaranteed as we've seen in this passage. Valleys and enemies. Valleys are the low points. We don't see them coming when we're on the mountaintop, right? You're up on the mountaintop, things are going good, things are great. And all you see is that next mountaintop. You don't see the valley in between. And you have no idea how long it's going to be. And you have no idea how deep it's going to get. And to make things worse, it's in the valley that we're attacked. The people that have been supportive during good times, because everybody, we all have people in our lives that depend on us, don't you? Who, who's the rock in your family? Nobody's going to raise their hand. You know who you are. And that's why you're not raising your hand. But there are people in their families in their situations at work, somewhere you're somebody else's rock. And when you start to be unstable, when you start to be upset and not to be as consistent as you were, those people start to be upset. They start to get upset. They start to feel concerned with you. And the people that were supportive during the good times can change their tune when we're in the valley. How could you let this happen? What were you thinking? Aren't you over that yet? Hey, hey, what about me? What about my needs? So when we're in the valley, we can suffer attacks. But it's during these times that it's crucial for you and I to stay on the path. The path of righteousness. The path of faith. And Jesus promises to fill us to overflowing again. Not immediately, but if we stay the course in time, we will be restored. And here's the path of faith in broad strokes. Not, I know what I need, thanks God. I know what I need, but you know what I need. He knows what I need. Not emotional and anxious about the present, because we get so focused on the present, we get emotional and anxious, and we can't see it in front of our face, beyond the end of our nose, but pursuing his presence so he can calm our souls. Not focused on escaping the valley, because that's what we want to do. I'm in the valley, God, and, and I'm six feet in, and I'm ready to be done with this valley. It's hard. It's scary. It's dark. I just want to escape whatever it takes to get me out of this valley. Get me out yesterday. But focused on walking well through it. Maybe that's God's message for you today. Maybe you're in a valley. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a relational valley. It's a financial valley. Who knows? You're in the valley, and you want out. But Jesus, the good shepherd, he knows there's no easy way out. There's no uh, escape button. There's no easy button. But he wants to help you walk well through the valley. Maybe that's his message for you today.
Stop trying to escape and just focus on walking well through it. And to steal the promises we have heard today, the good shepherd did something unforgettable. He laid down his life for you and for me. Number four, the good shepherd will give up his life for mine. John 10, 11 through 13, 17 and 18 says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. Isn't it shocking? Can you imagine owning an animal that you would lay your life down for? Lee, is there a, is there a particular cattle that you would lay down your life for? Not even close. Not even close. <laughs> the hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The, the man runs away because he has a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. But this is different from Jesus. And here he explains why the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. And I, this is one of my favorite passages in all of scripture. Because Jesus makes it very, very clear. Him laying down his life is a choice. He chose to lay down his life for the sheep, and it pleased the Father. It reminds me of all the men and women in history who serve, whether it's the military, whether it's the police, the fire department. They serve voluntarily and have paid the ultimate price for that choice. Their contractual signature is an acknowledgement that they very well, very well may be called upon to lay down their lives for others and to make the ultimate Sacrifice, But the point is, the key point is they do this willingly. They've signed a contract long before the sacrifice is required. And in the same way, Jesus knew. He knew what choosing to come to earth meant. He knew what the outcome would be. But he also knew that there was something that needed to be done that we couldn't do for ourselves. The sheep can't sacrifice themselves for themselves. They needed the shepherd to lay down his life. There was a sin debt that needed to be paid once for all. And that's why you and I can trust Jesus, the good shepherd. It's because the bottom line today, Jesus does everything I can't. Because uncomfortable as it sounds, we're the sheep in the story. We're the vulnerable ones that need to be protected. We're the ones that get confused. We're the ones that go looking for things in the wrong places. And we need the good shepherd. Jesus does everything. I can. He provides my every need. Not what I think I need, but what I actually need. He calms my soul. When I'm emotional, when I'm anxious, when I'm in the middle of something difficult, he's, he encourages me to step, step, step away from it for just a minute. Create some space so I can see him. Seek his face and he can calm my soul. He leads my unmanageable life. You know, when we get into those vows, and we're wanting to push the eject button and get out of the hard time and get it done with and over with whatever it takes. I'm willing to do anything to get to relieve the pressure and the stress in my life. And Jesus is saying, trust me, the good shepherd, and let me lead you through it. And then when we needed a sin debt paid for, Jesus paid the so the question for you today is, will you trust the good shepherd? Will you trust that he knows what you need? 
Will you, will you pursue his presence so that he can calm your soul? Will you stick to the path of faith that he has laid out for you, even in the midst of a valley? And will you follow his example of service? And I, I decided long ago, as many of you did, that Jesus is going to be my shepherd. Because I need guidance. I need leadership. And, and going back to the original story about the tale of two bosses, I've got a choice. I can follow the good shepherd, or I can follow... That's your only two choices. You can follow the good shepherd or you can be deceived into following the enemy and then putting yourself in danger. Putting yourself in situations where you're not going to be satisfied. You're not going to find contentment. So I would encourage you today, my brothers and sisters, trust the good shepherd because Jesus does everything that I can't. Jesus does everything that you can't. Pray with me. God, thank you so much for this opportunity to hear from you and to hear from you, Jesus, that you make a promise to us that you are the good shepherd. You will never leave us and forsake us. You will lead us into green pastures beside still waters. You will restore our souls. You will lead us through the valleys. Jesus, you are our only hope. And when we're looking to ourselves to leave, when we're looking to others to leave, when we're pursuing things that will not ultimately satisfy, remind us Gently, Jesus. When we're emotional and anxious, when we're upset and feel like there's no way through these hard times, please, Jesus, woo us with your voice because you know our names and we know, we know your voice. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name I pray.